Welcome to the City on a Hill podcast. City on a Hill is a Catholic young adult community located in the greater Kansas City area with a mission to inspire and form the young adult generation in their pursuit of sainthood. In each episode, we feature a young adult who will share their story of encountering Christ, some specific ways they are personally pursuing sainthood, and how they live on mission here in Kansas City. We are grateful you've decided to tap into our community and hope that you feel inspired on your personal pursuit of sainthood. Thanks for listening in, and here are your hosts. Welcome back to another episode of the City on a Hill podcast. My name is Father Andrew Mattingly. I'll be your host. And welcome today to our co-host, Taylor Downey. Welcome. Thank you. Glad to be here. And to our guest of honor, Miss Jessica Lay. Jess, welcome on the show. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Yes. We're just going to get right into it. So Jess, tell us your story of faith. Yeah, sounds good. So I actually love just reflecting on um, how God has worked throughout my life um, throughout the past couple of years. And um, I think it starts off with just like my parents and who they are as people and where they came from. But my mom's actually Buddhist and my dad um, went through RCIA after moving to the United States. So both of them are immigrants from Vietnam, um, left from Vietnam after the war. And um, they actually met in St. Louis at a grocery store. (laughs) (laughs) And here I am. So um, yeah, very blessed um, to grow up through Catholic grade school, K through eight. I actually went to public high school. Um, and I have a sister named Sarah. And throughout um, time at St. Cletus, which is um, in St. Charles in Missouri, um, I actually prompted my parents um, to go to mass uh, after one of my friends in fourth grade was like, you mean you don't go to church on Sunday? Oh, man. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is like kind of a gut check as a fourth grader. And so I like went up to my dad and I said, dad, like we need to go to church on Sundays. And so I actually volunteered to be a volunteer at Children's Liturgy of the Word and then also a server. So that way my dad had to take me to church, <laughs> which is very opposite of um, most scenarios, I feel like, with um, being brought up in like a very religious setting. And so um, honestly started with fourth grade um, with a bold statement from one of my very good friends still to this day. Wow. Um, it was actually made of honor in her wedding back in May. And so this wow. is a true testament of where boldness can take you in life. But um, yeah, I would say in eighth grade um, confirmation class that was um, a time where I actually encountered the Holy Spirit. And I know a lot of people um, throughout eighth grade, it's kind of just like another thing that they have to do. But I was very into finding uh, my confirmation saint and very invested in finding um, or like writing the research paper. So St. Christina um, as my confirmation saint. But I feel like all throughout like grade school was actually a time for me to to fight for what um, I thought was important, even at a young age. And I would say my first encounter was at WOW Wednesdays. And so 
Wow Wednesdays was an opportunity where all the eighth graders got to meet up Wednesday mornings and our youth minister would bring donuts and <laughs> we'd talk about the faith. And so um, I actually remember this very vividly whenever um, Bob, he showed us a video of, um, it was actually during Lent, but there's a video of two parents who are living through this pandemic. They bring their child to the, the doctor and the doctor comes out and was like, your son has blood to save the entire world. And their parents are like, well, how much blood do you need? And the doctor was like, well, we need all of it. And as an eighth grader, that was just a very like monumental, like vivid analogy of knowing what God's love looked like on the cross. And I remember going to mass after Wow Wednesdays at our all school mass and looking at the cross and just thinking about how much God loved me. Um, just every single time I go back um, to Cletus, I look at the cross and it's just such a true reminder of how much um, God sacrificed his son um, for the entire world. And I don't know, I feel like that was probably like the first pivotal point of um, understanding what what God's love even looked like um, within my life. But I would say um, all throughout eighth grade and high school, like I would go to mass every Sunday and I would be really good at praying every night, but there still wasn't like a strong, um, I guess like plan of life or just like prayer was still, um, I guess a little surface level. But um, throughout high school, I was pretty involved with FCA um, and that was kind of the Christian organization that was offered like in public high school. Um, but once I got to college, I knew that I really wanted to be involved with the Newman Center on campus, or actually I Googled Catholic Church on Mizzou's campus, which is where I went to school, and the Newman Center popped up, and I was like, what's a Newman Center? <laughs> really had no idea what that was, but I ended up going um, and started showing up to small groups, and I was actually very blessed. One of the campus ministers walked up to me um, my sophomore year and asked if I wanted to go to evangelical Catholic camp and asked if I wanted to lead a small group. And I told her, well, I'm really involved with Greek life and I don't know if I can swing it. It's just going to be a crazy couple of weeks of school starting. And she goes, well, other people have done it, so you could do it. Uh, and so, please tell me that was on Joe. It was Joanne. Uh, <laughs> props to Joanne. Thank yeah. you, Joanne. Um, but I said yes to the invite to EC, um, so Evangelical Training Camp. And honestly, that is where um, I had my true conversion of surrendering all that I have to the Lord and I think back at this one talk um, and actually freshman year, um, this girl in my sorority was like, yeah, honestly, school is probably like fourth or fifth on my, my priorities. And I thought she was crazy just because like we're paying lots of money to go to school. Um, like I would say it's school and then like family or like um, – just being very invested in the college experience. And she actually mentioned like, no, like God first, family, school. And um, I just, it was kind of like a shock in a sense of um, the order of things she prioritized. But then um, sophomore year at UC, I, I really realized that there was so much more in life and 
just being able to surrender everything. So in the talk, in the talk, they talked about um, surrendering, like your major, your friends, your family, and just laying everything down at the table. Um, and I honestly have not been stressed since then, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> uh, I've been overwhelmed, but not like stressed. And I feel like that was the pivotal point of where I actually like gave everything up to the Lord. I started going to daily mass, um, just being really involved with the Newman Center and leading retreats and um, yeah, prioritizing God first and prayer first before classes and it all got done. And I'm just very blessed that I was given the opportunity to um, seek true joy throughout my college experience with the people um, that I've encountered, especially Taylor. Uh, we both went to Mizzou together. Um, but yeah, after um, college, I was given the option of either working at Cerner um, or Focus. And I really went through this process um, as a discernment of what my vocation would be moving forward post-grad. And um, I actually remember being in the chapel um, praying like, okay, God, like, where do you want me? Um, and I just remember vividly like making vows before I accepted the job at Cerner. Um, and like God saying like, do you promise that you'll be a missionary like in the workplace? Um, and I was like, I do God, like a promise. And like <laughs> God, um, I just like remember like hearing, do you promise to um, not fall into the material world and um, to honor me and glorify me and all that I do. And um, just like these little statements where um, even though I wasn't directly accepting like a missionary job um, and really taking that mindset of being a missionary in the workplace. And so I've been at Cerner for four years now, which is kind of wild. <laughs> and it's been a great experience. And um, I've traveled to probably 13, 14 plus states um, throughout the past four, um, yeah, the past four years. And um, just really learning what stability looks like and being able to mentor people now um, within the workplace is a really good feeling because it takes a lot of time to know what you're doing. And um, yeah, I feel like that's part of the mission too of um, just sanctifying the work that I do. And even if there are those mundane tasks of um, like emails or Excel spreadsheets or random calls um, to take it all with positivity and joy, even though there are times um, where things get really busy and overwhelming, but um, to, to keep God grounded in the center of all that you do. Um, but yeah, I would say that's mostly my story from fourth grade, grade school all the way up into um, life right now. Wow. Thanks, Jess. Um, I think it's, it's interesting. You've had a couple instances of um, very positive peer pressure in your life. <laughs> Most yes. people have negative peer pressure, but your fourth grade friend <laughs> um, <laughs> pressuring you to go to mass on Sunday, which is great. And then the pressure, if you will, to, to go to the EC uh, training camp. Um, so that's great. I think um, I thought it was pretty striking when you said you haven't been stressed since, what was that, six years, five years ago, six years ago? Yeah, it's probably been like 
yeah, six six years ago. Wow. Mm-hmm. Probably not many people in the world say can say they haven't been stressed in six years. Um, <laughs> Anyone will take that pill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most people aren't willing to try the surrender to Jesus pill. But, yeah. <laughs> but um, but I love I love how you describe that. Just um, you mentioned some specific things like okay, I surrendered family and school and all these different things to Jesus. And, um, I mean, it really is true. Like when we, when we make a, a decision to like, let go of con- wanting to control all those things, um, then it does produce a kind of freedom <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's, that's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found, yeah, I found that really striking. Also the video you watched in eighth grade, um, was that cause that's the same, uh, little anecdote that Matthew Kelly gives at the beginning of at least one of his books. Yes. Okay. I I noticed that when I read like the beginning of one of his books, but then yeah. I've been trying to find the video ever since, and oh, I have yeah. no idea where yeah. <laughs> where to find it. Yeah, it's funny. I used to use the same story. I would just read it when I was in minor seminary. Um, there would be groups of confirmation kids that would come up, so about the same age, mm-hmm. um, for little retreats. And I would give them this talk on basically like try and convince them to like follow Jesus, <laughs> you know, like, mm-hmm. um, and I would always read that like three or four page intro from rediscovering Catholicism. Mm-hmm. And, um, typically it made a significant impact on these kids because you're right. Like most people just have no, no tangible way of comprehending God's love. It's just so abstract and like out there. But then you put it into a story of like, this is what it would be like if you were to put it into like a human context. Um, it was powerful. Mm-hmm. So for our listeners out there, we'll try, maybe put a link to um, his book and you can read the read the intro in there. Um, have you read that, Taylor? I haven't, no. But I've heard Jess tell it before. So yeah. yeah. Timely with COVID. Yes. <laughs> I know. It's I so know. true. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, Jess, tell us a little bit about um, just kind of currently, is there something you're focusing on in particular in your um, efforts to cooperate with God's grace to grow in holiness? Yeah, recently I've been thinking a lot about personal encounter, Mm. um, especially a lot of the people that I see or talk to throughout the week. So um, I think back at one of the weeks I went into office, which has been kind of rare the past year, um, but I think about every single um, person that I've encountered throughout the day and really making the most of it. Um, mm-hmm. So every single minute, just um, I guess more at the end of the day, thinking or the end of the week, even thinking about like how many people have I seen this week, mm-hmm. and so I think about Monday if I go to pick up soccer, um, Tuesday if. I'm going to small group or if I encounter um, people through the CCS board or um, core team or soccer again. And so um, I just think about all of those human interactions throughout the day and how how I can love them best, um, how I can pray for them and um, how I can just be a good friend, a listening ear. And so I think just being able to love people on a daily basis and um, really taking quality time to invest in people is one of like the greatest things that you can do to just be a good person on this earth. And um, 
and just challenging myself too with um, intercessory prayer. So if I'm getting coffee with a friend, um, kind of getting reminded or being reminded that prayer um, is very crucial and it works. And so if I'm meeting up with a friend, um, being able to pray over them and um, just let them know that God is present, even if um, it doesn't feel like it sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I love that. that um, so sort of getting the most out of each encounter is what you're saying, even if mm-hmm. even if it's passing somebody in a hallway. Or, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that because um, I think... Uh, um, I think often we, it can be easy at least to only think about sort of encounters with people that are significant, that are 30 minutes long, an hour Mm -hmm. long, multiple days long, you name it, and sort of forget about like trying to squeeze as much as we can, even out of (laughs) like passing encounters. Mm -hmm. Um, Somebody was on the podcast a while back who's involved in um, communion and liberation, and I guess it's sort of an ecclesial movement, and... I guess one of the phrases, and I'm not going to get it perfectly right, but that the the priest who founded it would always say is something along the lines of like, live the present moment intensely or like Mm -hmm. live reality intensely or something like that. And um, I don't know, that's kind of what I was thinking about as you described that, like, I'm really going to like milk this encounter with this person for all it's worth, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, yeah. I want to ask what, what are some ways like, in the, in the moments, like you, you talked about reflecting on it at the end of the week, but like in the moment, what is something that you can like recall or that like maybe you challenge yourself to do or like a specific question you ask, or I don't know, I'm sure there's different things for different situations, but in the present moment, how do you like recall or like what, yeah, what effort are you putting forth to, to encounter these people? Well, yeah, that's a really great question. Um, think I usually go back to this exercise um, that we did on the hospitality team of um, you got paired with another person in the room and the person you were that I was talking to I actually got paired with Father Mattingly (laughs) and um, they had to close their eyes and um, I remember this (laughs) And the person talking had to close their eyes, but um, explain what their family life was like. And so father had his eyes closed and started talking about his family, but then we were prompted to walk away. And so literally they, father was talking to no one. (laughs) (laughs) For like a minute or two. And then they were prompted to open their eyes and notice that no one was there. (laughs) And so... It's just the idea of when you are speaking to someone that you're like actively listening and if you're wandering your eyes or if you're checking your phone or um, just like getting distracted by like the littlest things, that's what it feels like when mm. that other person's talking. Yeah. And so I, I actually resort back to that exercise a lot um, mm. and just think about like, okay, am I actively listening or um, am I getting distracted? Are they the, the main focus, um, of the conversation? But I would say that's one way, um, a couple months back, um, was prompted to think about the person's guardian angel in the room. Mm-hmm. And 
for a couple of weeks, I was actually doing it pretty well. But Mm -hmm. I think there's something really special about knowing that, like, as we're sitting in this room, Taylor has a guardian angel and Father has a guardian angel. And um, to greet them before you even Hmm. um, encounter the person. Um, And so I could be a lot better at that. But that was actually um, a really beautiful witness of the faith and how we're protected um, by the angels and saints that are around us. And I'm just thinking about the people at mass that there's hundreds of guardian angels like in the parish as we celebrate mass. And I think that's a beautiful visual too. But yeah, I would say just making sure that whoever you're talking to, um, yeah, making it making it a time that's um, reverent to the other person and to, to show that you're really listening. And then, yeah, guardian mm-hmm. angels. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like that is applicable to so much. Like if you practice that with people, like you actually get to encounter them. But then like past that, I'm thinking about like being in prayer and like being actually like radically aware of mm-hmm. like what is happening, what is the reality before you, or being in mass and like, beating that habit of letting your mind wander elsewhere or in a task at work you know I could go on and on but like it makes it really human to practice in conversations and with people but I think that is an applicable skill that can bleed out into so many other areas of your life um too so that's awesome yeah I think to that point sort of living the present moment intensely means every present moment yeah not just when we're talking to an individual but I d- but I do think like it's also important for people not to get overwhelmed and say like, well, tomorrow my goal is to live every present, you know, like <laughs> live in the present moment perfectly from sunup to sundown. It We need to start small. And so like what I mean, what you're doing, Jess, is a great way to start. Or somebody could say like my goal is is if I go to daily mass, you know, my goal is living like in the present moment at mass every day for three months and that's Mm -hmm. what I'm going to sort of examine my conscience on and they may even condense that further like I'm going to be super in the zone for the Eucharistic prayer like that is priority number one or I'm going to be in the zone (laughs) keep Mm -hmm. keep narrowing it like just for like the words of consecration I'm going to be like laser like (laughs) in 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 the moment and then sort of hopefully like building out from there over a lifetime and it kind of it kind of but at least from my experience like sometimes I think people can get overwhelmed when they start trying to work on deliberately work on every single thing that they want to improve Mm -hmm. in the spiritual life and um so I think what what you're describing Jess is a good one just like Mm -hmm. every time I talk to a human (laughs) like I want to be like (laughs) you know totally totally focused um which is great beautiful um wait well tell us and this i mean we've already covered this a lot really just with what you described um but it tell us maybe a little bit too if there if there's um another avenue or another way that you're really seeking to expand the lord's kingdom live on mission live apostolate tell us about that yeah i think um this is something that's shared um you can't really share what you don't have. And so being um, committed to a plan of life, um, a prayer, daily mass, saying the rosary, sometimes it can seem like a checklist. But um, I think that's something 
that I have personally sought, uh, especially coming out of college. Kind of embarrassed to say this, but I feel like I <laughs> peaked in college in my spiritual life. And um, after encountering um, some people through City on a Hill, just knowing that there's so much more room to grow um, in the spiritual life and it's really easy to get complacent and so um, yeah just really taking the time to find silent silence in the day um, meditating with scripture um, I use the Magnificat um, I know Taylor and I have had this conversation too it's a great way to um, to be present at the mass and then also um, preparing your hearts for mass too just reading the scripture um jess is the one that convinced me that paying the like five dollar fee for the electronic version wasn't enough that i needed to pay for the full magnificat <laughs> and it like radically changed things because the way that the mind works and like yeah an addiction to technology mm-hmm. it just having it in my hand makes me think mm-hmm. about the texts that i need to respond mm-hmm. to or the emails that could be coming in or someone calls you and you have to decide whether to answer it or not but this way phone can be in the other room or left yeah. in the car during mass i usually have it in my bag at mass but <laughs> um, act more pious than i am but um yeah having it having it in print version mm-hmm. is it's way more accessible um but then is yeah way more concrete mm-hmm. i think um to be able to enter into so yeah. yeah i agree yeah i would say plan of life even though it's not always the easiest um it's super important and um the more that i can share with others um just holding myself accountable before i hold other people accountable um and so I guess apostolates that I think about um, in Kansas City would definitely be friendship. Um, also, CCS, quick plug there, um, <laughs> is a great one. So Catholic Challenge Sports, a great way to um, meet new people in a very casual setting. Um, and, yeah, it's a great way to just enjoy activities stay active um mind body and soul i think that's super important um especially because our bodies are a temple of the holy spirit and so um even if our spiritual life's really great like we need to physically take care of ourselves too um so honestly like trying to live out a balanced life i think is something that i always strive for too and i've talked to taylor about this it's <laughs> it's exhausting when you get all three in like mind body and soul Sometimes I get the soul or the mind part, but then the body, um, like getting in a workout doesn't necessarily happen. So, um, yeah, when, when it all, all does happen, it's, it, it's exhausting, but, um, I think father has also mentioned that you should go to bed as if you filled the whole day, like you should go to bed exhausted. Um, which I think is a really great thing to keep in mind too, is, we're never promised another day of life. And so um, just thinking about how I spend the minutes of, of every single day um, is, yeah, is really important. Most recently thought about it, my, my past birthday. I don't know why. I was like, <laughs> I could die tomorrow. Oh. And um, actually sometimes on the plane too, whenever I'm traveling for work, it's kind of like a little morbid, but... I think, like, what if this is, like, the last moment? Like, 
that I have on this earth. Like how well did I live this life out? And so, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we're not promised another day, but, um, God grants us another day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a morbid thought at all. That's, uh, <laughs> has a long history in Catholic spiritual tradition of, mm-hmm. you know, the rule of St. Benedict meditate on your death daily. Mm-hmm. That was something that he told all his monks and sort of the famous phrase, memento mori, you know, which people will write in different places, remember your death. Mm-hmm. So it's good, actually. That's a healthy, yeah. <laughs> a healthy thing. Actually, the retreat that I go on every year, there's always a meditation on your death. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Just because without that, like we can't contextualize and keep first things first. So that's awesome. Um, one, one question I have, because I've run across this, um, somewhat frequently, and I think I have a hunch as to the answer, but I'd like to know your thoughts, Jess. You mentioned how, when you sort of got out of college and you got sort of into the real world, so to speak, at a certain moment where you sort of kind of thought maybe you had peaked spiritually in college. And I find that like a lot of young adults that, um, encountered the Lord in high school or college, um, will get into the real world and kind of have a similar sort of experience. Like they, maybe, maybe it's within the first six months, maybe in the first year or two. Um, and they kind of, um, they may be struggling to some degree to like establish a plan of life to, you know, live apostolically in this wildly new context that is not, a college campus or high school or whatever, but they do have this kind of sensation of like looking back with a certain amount of nostalgia on like, Oh, those were the days when I was like Mm -hmm. close to the Lord, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, do you have any thoughts on like why you think that's a common experience and like, is it good, bad? Like if you were talking to someone right now who's describing that, like what would you encourage them to do? Yeah, I would, say a lot of it stems from transition. Um, Like I think back of from transitioning from high school into college, like that's a transition in itself. And then like post-grad into um, the real world is, or college into the real world is definitely a transition too. And so um, I think the first couple of words that come to mind are just showing up, um, finding community, are are honestly like showing up is honestly like the main way I would say whether that's showing up in prayer um showing up to a wine and cheese night or showing up to Tuesdays at the boulevard um showing up to mass those are all um different ways to just stay grounded Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and I think it's because it's a transition in life or it's kind of unknown or you may not know a lot of people or the proximity of what you're familiar with kind of is stripped away from you. And so um, I think back at my transition from um, graduating from Mizzou and then being sent to Odessa, Texas for two months (laughs) working um, and traveling. And I mean, it was really hard because I didn't have that community constantly around me. And um, I was just in a new place. And so I think that's um, something that makes it hard. And so yeah, I would say showing up is honestly like the most important thing that you can do, whether that's mm. um, at work um, and going to like a happy hour with your coworkers or going to a workout class or 
Um, if you get an invite to City on a Hill, just show up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that it's simple advice, but I think it's good because I think the tendency, it, it requires so much more effort when you get out of college to like, I mean, it still requires effort in college, for, you know, to to form community and make friends, but um, it's much more difficult in the real world. You have to be much more intentional to like um, invest in, e- even like you just said, like going to something extra with work, mm-hmm. with people from work, um, a happy hour or, um, yeah, connecting with other people about the faith. But I, I've, I've witnessed this a lot of people kind of coming out of college and they sort of relied on that community support system. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the real world and it requires five times the effort to mm-hmm. like have that. And they can slowly, even without knowing it, kind of turn in on themselves, get a little isolated, mm-hmm. just kind of keep to themselves. And obviously that just breeds loneliness and, mm-hmm. and discouragement and... So I like that, just showing up. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it, it is true on a college campus. I mean, Jess and I had the the privilege of living in Greektown in the sorority houses, and you walked less than a block or two, and you were there. a church was unlocked, and you could pray, or you could mm-hmm. go to Mass, or there were always girls in the sorority house having Bible studies. So mm-hmm. you just happened mm-hmm. upon these things that you could do um or you talk about just like in general community or like study habits if you lived with someone who studied you grew in your study habits or whatever it is and in the real world in the post-grad world you might live with a roommate or two but you're not inundated with that constant connection around people and the city's more spread out and you might not be as close to a church and so even just geographically you have to try five times harder. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Angel, actually, shout out to the Newman Center. They had a, what was that called when it was like impending seniors, like you were close to graduation? Oh, yeah. It was like an alumni board that they put together. And it was like for seniors that were graduating. Yeah. And so, Je- yeah, Jess came back because she's a year older than I am to speak on the board and then they like have dinner for the seniors like right before graduating and yeah what or panel yeah yeah panel maybe is better and um Angel said that she talks about when she graduated college someone in her life would say put your butt in the pew you're not always going to feel it like you're not always going to know people Mm -hmm. you're not going to have the mushy gushy feelings you might not know a soul but like put your butt in the pew Mm -hmm. and I remember her like (laughs) saying that over and over and kind of writing it off like oh yeah whatever sure on gel and then yeah like how often have I gone to mass alone in the last three years since graduating whereas Mm -hmm. like I pretty much always went with a friend Mm -hmm. in college and even that is just an adjustment and Mm -hmm. yeah different so that's that is yeah put your butt in the pew just show up (laughs) yeah show up and uh if you show up to enough city on the hill things god willing you'll eventually meets people that you can <laughs> actually form some community with. Um, but great. Well, uh, Jess, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Good. Well, thank you all as well for tuning into this episode. And we will see you next time on the City on a Hill podcast. God bless. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the City on a Hill podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss another exciting episode or leaving a review which may help others find the podcast and be inspired on their pursuit of sainthood. 
check out our website at kansascityonahill.org and consider joining us at one of our upcoming events. Be assured of our prayers for you and for all young adults in the Kansas City area. God bless.